0: And I'm Carrie, And we are Paranormal
1: Chicks. Sinister sightings 211. Alright, jumping in. This one's called, What in the World? Or Not World? Hello, my beautiful biatches. It's your girl from Texas, but recently moved to Colorado. I'm writing in today to tell y'all some hella paranormal stories. But first, I want to say thank you so much for what you do. You have no idea how much you have helped me. I have panic attacks, thanks to catching COVID, and y'all calm me down and bring me back to reality. Y'all are my safe place and my comfort on really hard days. But anyway, enough of that mushy shit. We are bad bitches around here. I have three short experiences I'm bringing you today. First experience. This paranormal experience happened in the small town of Barstow, Texas. Oh wait, Texas. I no longer live there, so I thought I would drop the name. A little backstory of the town. It's a ghost town. Literally. I think maybe 400 people live there, including the dogs. It's hella creepy in the daytime, so you can imagine it at night. My husband and I would always take nightly walks, and one night on our walk, as we were walking out of our long driveway, a girl around, say, 19 or 20 was walking by us. As we watched her walk by, we noticed that she began to grow taller and taller in the dim light of the streetlights. We were in what felt like a trance. As we watched her grow taller and taller, we were completely speechless. Her arms grew longer, almost touching the ground. Her hair was pitch black and was dragging the ground. She was almost as tall as the streetlights. We watched her grow taller and taller until she was completely out of our sight on the road. Needless to say, we didn't walk in that direction that night. What we saw was quite honestly so scary. What I've written you doesn't really begin to describe the fear we both felt, but we never saw her again after that night, and we lived there over 17 years, but we never saw her again. The second experience. My wonderful mother in law, that has since passed, once told about an experience she had. She was traveling with her sister to New Orleans, and they arrived at an old mom and pop store in Mason, Texas. She pulled up to the drive through to ask about a place to stay for the night. A man walked to the window and said that there was a motel about a block down the road that they could stay at. They said when he said that, his face turned red and he had what I could only describe as a Jack Nicholson smile with horns coming from his head. She said there were four other men in there and all of their faces changed. She said that they all started laughing at her. She drove 80 more miles that night to keep from being in that town. My mother-in-law was born with a veil over her head, and she was always able to see things and tell you things before it happened, or she knew things had happened before you even told her. The third experience. This also had to do with the small town of Barstow. Several other people in this town had also heard what I'm about to tell you. On walks in the evenings, at dusk, you can hear what sounds like hooves trotting behind you. My husband, my nephew, and several friends have also experienced this. There's also a blog feed that you can find on the internet that speaks of this. It's the most eerie and uncomfortable feeling in the world, knowing that something you can't see but hear is behind you. Sounds like a horse, but when you run, it starts to run faster behind you. My nephew and I were walking down the road when we heard it for the first time. I heard it four or five more times before moving. I decay what it was or wasn't. All I know is it was absolutely unnerving. Thank you for taking the time to read my experiences, and I'm not sorry it was a long one. I have plenty more where that came from, and I'll send them in in the next few days. So, so much love from a creepster, Amanda G.
0: I'm glad you said that your aunt was born, I think it was your aunt, was born with a veil over her face, because I was like, I think they got into some bad pot or something if they saw, like... Their face morphed to that. But no, okay, so she saw it because she has, like, premonitions and stuff like that. You know what I mean? So she saw, like, the true evilness inside of them. Yes. I would have been staying in that town either if Uh -uh. I'd seen that. Uh -uh, uh -uh, uh -uh, uh -uh. Also, what you and your husband saw with the woman that her, like, arms were expanding and everything... Don't like that either. Anything that reminds me of one scene of Nightmare on Elm Street when his arms like expanded. Yes. And then that, it
1: freaks me the fuck out. I know exactly what you're talking about. Mm-hmm.
0: But yes, 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 yes. Send in all the stories, please. Okay, the next one. Uncle haunting? Hi, guys. I love your show and listen to it at work every day. Although I'm a little behind and just found it. Anyways, I have the craziest story of when I was younger. It was my grandparents' 50th wedding anniversary party. I was around 5 years old at the time, so about 25 years ago. I have always had very little memory of this party, but since that day, I have had one that stands out vividly. I was in a room where the food was and some tables. I remember talking to this man who wore a military uniform, had glasses, who was very tall, and had a deep voice. I can't remember what we spoke about, but I do remember talking to him for a while and he leaned over and shook my hand. Since that party for years, I would randomly ask different family members about who the guy in the uniform was. I was always given the same answer. It must have been our cousin, JR, but he wasn't in uniform. For some reason, that answer never settled with me. I knew he was in the uniform. I talked to him. I shook his hand. Well, fast forward probably about 15 years, my grandparents had passed away, and I was still curious about this man in the uniform. One day, my uncle came over to my parents' house and had just found old family pictures on Facebook. He turned the computer to show me a picture that had two men in it and said, I know one of them. There he was, the man in the uniform, looked exactly like I remembered. Of course, that's Uncle So-and-so, and that's J.R., I said. My mom and uncle were quick to correct me. That's not J.R., that's our other uncle. You don't know him. I said, no, that's a man in the uniform. That's a man I talked to at the anniversary party. They looked at each other with a weird look. They told me he had died the year before I was born. Thankfully, I have a very open and understanding family who believes in this kind of thing. I've had many experiences like this, but this one stands out for me. I was relentless to know who this man was for most of my life, not knowing he had actually passed away before my birth. Also, it gave me the biggest, weirdest amount of relief when I finally knew who it was. I guess he really needed people to know he was there. Thanks again for the great entertainment
1: you provide during my workday love all the stories and you love heather don't you hate when you're like no i know that this happened this is what i saw and people are like no and you're like but that's not true oh so you're usually the other people no Mm -hmm. mm-hmm don't not always argue about shit like this
0: (laughs) 100
1: never a ghost but yeah again why i couldn't be on a reality show because how else would i prove i'm right (laughs) <laughs> Without Google.
0: I know. Oh, my God. They would be like, Carrie's been sulking for 34 days straight. And she's like, yeah, because I got to remember to look this up when I get out of here.
1: Because you know I wouldn't. <laughs> no. Somebody would like fly over the Big Brother house with a banner just to tell me who sang, I don't know, the theme song to Roger Rabbit.
0: <laughs> <laughs> they would do that. And she'd be like,
1: huh, that's random. I wonder why they did that. That is the truest thing you've ever said. <laughs> All right, the next one. Hey, you beautiful ladies. I hope y'all are doing well. You can call me B and I am from Florida. I do just want to warn you that this might be a little long, but I'm not apologizing for it. I love long, sinister sightings. First off, I do just want to say thank you. Thank you for getting me through my long work week and for just making me laugh. I suffer through some mental health issues and the stress of work doesn't help. So being able to listen to you two definitely helps. I have a few paranormal stories and one true crime. First, the paranormal ones. I don't want to call myself gifted in any way, but I have seen and heard a good amount of ghosts in my life. I'm 27, September 17th, and most of these sightings have been within the last seven years, other than one that happened when I was about 10. First story. I was staying the night at my cousin's house because she was going to be home alone until pretty late at night. At the time, she was 12 and I was 10. Her room was right next to the upstairs bathroom and across from her parents' room. We were heading to bed around 11 p.m. She had a trundle bed, so she slept on her bed and pulled out the trundle for me. I could not fall asleep. I kept tossing and turning. A little backstory, she kept every light on except for her bedroom light, and she refused to sleep with her door closed. I hated it, and I thought that was the only reason why I couldn't sleep, and it was. I turned over onto my left side with my eyes closed, trying to get comfortable. Since I was laying on my left side, I was facing the hallway. For some reason, I decided to open my eyes. When I did, that's when I saw it. I saw a tall shadow in the doorway. It then turned and went into the bathroom. I looked to see if it could be my cousin, but one, she wasn't tall, and two, she was still sleeping. I got up from the bed and went to see if maybe my aunt or an uncle got home, but no, they were still gone. Kind of freaked out, I went back to bed and hid under the blankets until I fell asleep. A few hours later, I woke up because I felt the blankets being pulled off of me. I saw the same figure at the foot of the bed. I ran downstairs, turned on the TV, and stayed up all night and never stayed there again. I shouldn't have left my cousin up there with whatever it was, but she lived with the thing and was probably used to it. A few years later, my aunt told me that a man did hang himself in their house before they bought it, so it was most likely him. Story two, my husband and I both love all things paranormal. So I think that mutual love definitely brought more things out. All the recent occurrences started when I moved in with him. At our house, we have a ghost. I know it's not good to name them, but we did. And his name is Pueblo. Side tangent, in middle school, I played clarinet. And for some reason, I named my clarinet Pueblo. And my friends would always make jokes that I blew Pueblo. Looking back at it now, it's still very funny. But I probably shouldn't have known what blowjobs were that young. And I guess that name just stuck. Anyway, Pueblo makes his presence known every once in a while. First sign was my late dog Pippa randomly got up in the middle of the night and was just shaking uncontrollably looking at the corner of our room. Freaked me the fuck out because she never did that before. A few months go by, I'm the only one home and I'm doing the dishes. The sink looks out over a bar into the dining room and living room and I can see into our backyard through our sliding glass doors. I look up from doing the dishes, and I see a shadow walk in front of the doors and then just disappear. A few minutes later from the corner of my eye, I see someone peek around the corner to my right. That's where the dining room and kitchen meet, and there's a wall that separates the two. He peeked around that goddamn wall, and I noped the fuck out of there. Then one day, I was taking a shower minding my own business when I literally got the shit scared out of me. This particular day, my husband decided to take his guitar in the bathroom for some entertainment and left it there for future shits, I guess. I get needing something to do while taking a shit, but really? A guitar? Dude has a cell phone and is always on it. But anyway, I got in the shower and while I was washing my hair, the fucking guitar strummed on its own. I opened my eyes, shampoo still in my hair, and looked out and the guitar was still in the same spot. Thought maybe it fell over making the noise, but nope. Still leaning against the counter. Also, I knew no one else came into the bathroom because I always locked the door. Pueblo never hurts us and usually minds his own business, so we don't mind him being around, but him doing that to me while I'm butt-ass naked in the shower with soap in my hair crossed the line. I told him to never be in the bathroom with me ever again. That's my alone time. We hear and see him every once in a while, but not much anymore. Me being upset with him probably made him back off some. Okay, now to my crime story. Trigger warning, this does involve an infant death. This happened during my sophomore year of high school. The person who did this horrible crime was a freshman, and we will call her Satan. In school, no one really knew who Satan was until this story broke. She ended up getting pregnant, and the father was not in her life. She was able to hide it by wearing baggy clothes. She carried the baby for nine months without her mother knowing or getting medical attention. One day, her mom was cleaning her room and smelled something awful. Her mom searched her room so she could get rid of the smell. She opened the closet and found what it was. It was coming from an old shoebox. Her mom opened it and found something no person should ever have to find. In that box was the body of Satan's baby. Satan's mother found the body of her grandchild lifeless in a shoebox. She immediately called 911 and Satan was taken in for questioning. She confessed that she murdered the baby because she was too afraid to tell her mom. This part will be a little graphic. Satan went into labor in the bathroom floor and gave birth to her 8-pound baby. When the baby came out, it was still breathing, so she strangled it to death. She then put it in a shoebox and hid it in her closet. Her mom said in an interview that she would have been upset finding out that her daughter was pregnant, but this was so much worse. She couldn't even look at her daughter anymore. This is a heartbreaking story. That baby would be around nine now. No one really knows what happened to Satan. Rumors were that she went to Juve for a few years and got out and was put into witness protection, but who knows. I get why she was scared to tell her mom, but I can't comprehend why she decided that murdering her child was the best way out. I hope her mom is doing okay. I mean, she did discover the baby. That could mess someone up really bad. Also, during the same year, my principal was arrested for picking up a sex worker who was actually an undercover cop. So, that's fun. Well, that wraps up my sinister sightings. I do have a few more paranormal that I'll say for next time. Thank you for everything you do. Love, B.
0: Well, and it just shows you, like, that she was still such a kid. You know, like, oh my god, my mom's gonna be so mad if she finds out I'm pregnant. Let me murder this
1: baby? But that's the thing, too, is, like, you've carried it so long. Like, you've made it this far, and you literally... You gave birth to an 8-pound baby by yourself. Like, how did you know what to do? Like, the afterbirth, cut the cord, all the things. Like, I just... How did you do that? But like you could take the baby and drop it off at a fire station or anything. No questions asked within a certain age. But again, like you said, she was so young. She just didn't know any of that. Yeah. I don't want this
0: to sound victim blaming or anything. That's why I think me and you both have tried to like always be like, you can tell me anything. Just go ahead and we'll work it out. You know, like, I might be mad at you, but like, tell me anything. Because so many people do get so scared of, I'm going to be in trouble. And so then they do something that is worse. I was listening to a podcast and this girl got sexually harassed and stuff. And she got in trouble for having the person over because they had like messed up the house or whatever. And so when it happened again, she didn't say anything because she didn't want her mom to get mad at her. For that person being over again and stuff, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's like if she could have told her mom and felt safe, then the other attack might not have happened. And you know, like because she could have said, "This is what happened," and yeah, this is why it got messed up. You know, all the things. And so it's just so hard. This is why I can't be a parent, right? Because I mean, it's easy for us who are like aunts and everything
1: to be like, "Tell us everything," but we haven't had to raise these people and. I don't know. I know. And when they do come to you, you're like, fuck, 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 fuck. What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? Yes. Yes. Because you don't want to, like, piss the parents off. But it's like, but they're coming to you for a reason. Mm Mm-hmm. But I get what you're saying. Like, you're not trying to blame the mom mom for what she she did. Yes. But it's just for everything. You know, it's like... If a weird guy's looking at you,
0: but like you were at the movies and you weren't supposed to. So you don't tell your mom that someone followed you
1: because you don't want to get in trouble for going to the movies that you weren't. You know what I mean? And it's just like. You were talking to that guy that had, what they call it? This like the safe zone with his kid where they would say like amnesty and the kid could tell him anything and they couldn't get in trouble for it.
0: Yeah. Okay, the next one. Hey, wonderful ladies. My name's Mia and I'm from Ditton, Texas. I've been listening to you lovely ladies for a year, and I've been glued ever since. God, I've been meaning to email my stories to you guys, but I usually just end up going home after work, laying down, and passing out. I filled that. I have two that go together, kinda. Sorry, this is kinda long. Okay, some backstory. I've been sensitive to the paranormal for as long as I can remember. Now, it's not like I channel spirits when I want to, no. This is more of the... It suddenly happens, but only to me. I'm one of four siblings, and we're all girls. Okay, picture this. I'm 15 or 16 years old, and it's 2009. I'm starting to join the dating scene. I'm a super quiet kid who is very introverted and tries not to be noticed by anyone alive. I'm the youngest of four, and we all have a decent age gap between us. In other words, we're not close. My grandmother at this point had been on at-home dialysis for about seven years now. And I would frequently visit her due to the fact that my mom went to my grandparents' house two to three times daily. Now, I love my parents with all my heart, but we were never close. I think it's because I had three other siblings and one had a baby at 15 and my parents raised her son and my other sister was born with special needs and they just didn't have time for much of me. In fact, I had to help out with everything for as long as I can remember, which was fine. So anyways, I started dating a boy we'll call Drew, and everything in me for the longest time felt like it wasn't right, but I just shrugged it off his nerves because I never actually dated anyone before. Well, long story short, he sexually and mentally abused me for the year we were together. During that year, my grandmother became incredibly ill, so much to the point she was in and out of hospitals and taking every bit of attention my mom could offer, so I was pretty alone. My dad and I don't talk much. I love the man, but we just don't talk on a personal level. When she died at the end of 2010, I had planned my suicide. I wrote letters to everyone I felt that mattered and I was ready. She was my only person that I wanted to be with because Drew took everything from me and threatened that if I left him, he'd kill himself. And naive me believed him. He didn't allow me to be with friends and I changed Schools for him, so I was even more secluded. A month passed after my grandma was laid to rest. I was also just so numb that I couldn't even cry at her funeral because I felt nothing. And I had just gotten my driver's license, and the first place I drove was to her grave. I sat there for about three hours, weeping to her about how I didn't want to end it, but I didn't know what else to do. I told her about all the abuse and how I just couldn't keep going, and that I wanted her to be with me when I left this world. Well, a week or two passes and I have a dream where I'm crawling through this white, warm tunnel. The light is so calming and it engulfs me the further I crawl, but I never feel scared. When I get to the opening, I'm in this great, bright, warm room and I see her there. She's sitting in her bed and is surrounded by people I've never seen before. I walked up to her and hold her hand and I feel her warmth. I can feel life. When I looked into her eyes, I started to cry and ask why she was so warm. Because when I last physically saw her, she was embalmed and her hands were just so cold. She held my hand and told me that it wasn't her laying there and that she was in a better place. She continued on saying that she knows it's been rough, but I needed to believe in a God that he was real. She told me that she wanted me to tell my grandpa that she was sorry for how she treated him in her final years. She was mentally declining and became more and more aggressive as this disease rummaged through her body. I woke up sobbing and trying to catch my breath. I knew it was her. I had closure and she gave me the strength to walk away from my abusive ex and to which I met my now husband who is everything she wanted and a partner for me, even down to the curly hair. Story two. I'll make this shorter because this is long as hell already. I had a Chihuahua named Hermione. That was my baby. I had had her since I was about eight years old and that dog had been through everything with me. She was my heart and soul. About five years ago, I lost her to a dog fight, and unfortunately, I was present for the entire attack, even down to her dying in my arms as I tried to rush her to the animal ER 10 minutes down the road. My whole heart died that day. She was my sole dog. I fell into a major depression after she left, and I couldn't fathom life without her. I know it's silly, but God, my heart rotted that day. I'd drive home from work screaming, why would you take her from me daily? She was gifted to me from my grandma that I mentioned earlier, so her death really felt like my last connection to her was just gone. A few weeks later, I had a dream where I woke up from a nap I was taking and her box of ashes were gone. I received her cremated remains and had them sitting on my nightstand. And she was sitting there in place of them. I sat up and said, Hermione? She climbed into my arms and started wiggling and licking me. I held her so tight, it felt so unbelievably real. I woke up gasping for air from choking on my tears while sleeping. I know it was her telling me she was okay and saying her goodbyes. I have more stories, but these two are my main ones I've been wanting to send in first. Feel free to use my real name, Mia L. Gosh, I'm so sorry you had to go through all that. Oh my gosh. That second story tugged at my heart. I'm surprised I didn't cry because that is how I feel about Marbu because she's the last connection to my mom like mm-hmm. that and stuff. And so she's been with me through everything. So I feel that she is my soul dog. And I am so sorry you had to see that attack. Also about your grandmother too. <laughs> I completely think it was your grandmother helping you this one last time and giving you that reassurance that, you know, she's always going to be there for you and you're not alone. And then your sweet soul dog
1: being there to have a good memory of her wife is just so weird too because you go through something that's like literally the hardest thing you ever ever have to go through and then your complete happiness is on the next side you know like yeah you had to go through that with your ex and i mean it was pure hell and your grandma got you through it and then on the other side was your husband okay the next one hey chicks creep mom here I thought it was time for me to send in the scariest thing that ever happened to me as a paranormal investigator. For those that don't know, I was the leader of a paranormal investigation team for over 10 years. I finally had to give up due to health problems. Fibromyalgia and arthritis are not conducive to sitting still in the dark for hours. A few years ago, we were contacted by a guy who said his house was haunted. He lived in a small community up in the mountains known mostly for meth labs. My teammate Lou and I made the drive up to do the initial interview. When we arrived at the potential client's house, his mother and teenage daughter were also there. As we asked each the interview questions, he was very hyper and all over the place. Has he heard voices? Yes. Had he seen shadows? Yes. Had he experienced things moving? Yes. Had he experienced cold spots? Yes. Now, of course, this is possible. But when he initially told us his experiences, he didn't mention a lot of these. Only when we asked specific questions did he seem to remember them happening. He said yes to every question about phenomena. Phenomena. We also have a section in our questionnaire about physical and mental health, but we want to try to rule out any mundane causes for the experiences. He shared that he had been in a motorcycle accident and suffered a severe head injury. He was also recovering from a painkiller addiction. Now, all of these things can be true. Paranormal happenings, trauma, and addiction are not mutually exclusive. Also, I would never share the identity or location of a client. Everything we did and all the evidence we captured was confidential unless released by the client. Tangent time. This reminds me of another investigation. I guess you get a twofer in this letter. This client didn't want his neighbors to know he was having an investigation. He owned a small deli market and was having unexplained activity. So he came in after closing and did our best to be discreet. Half of the team started on the sales floor while Lou and I went to the cellar. The owner was in the back office. The only lights were our flashlights. After a little, we get a panic message from the upstairs team on the radio to get up here now. We ran up the stairs to discover the staff at the pizza place across the street had seen our flashlights and were coming across the road with baseball bats. Let me tell you, that took 10 years off my life. We yelled for the owner to meet them and make some sort of excuse. I still don't know what he told them, but they headed back across the street. So I guess that was the second scariest moment in my investigation career. Anyway, back to the scariest. Some things this client had experienced included a newspaper clipping of an obituary appeared in his kitchen. We asked if he still had it. No, he burned it. Found something he was convinced was human bone. He called the police and they told him it looked like a piece of a busted toilet. We asked if he still had it. No, he had thrown it away. He had downloaded a ghost app on his iPod. This app told him there were ghosts in the basement and he should punch holes in the basement walls to find something. He stopped at this point to find his iPod and show us the app. When he couldn't find it, he opened the window and began to yell at the neighborhood, Who stole my iPod? Let me say that again. He stuck his head out of the dining room window in the middle of the interview and yelled, Who stole my fucking iPod? Then he wanted to show us the basement. Great. Can't wait. Lou went down the stairs first, then me, and then the client came behind me. I remember having a clear thought of, so this is it. This is how I die. An axe handle to the back of the head. It's been a good run, I guess. This is why we don't go to interviews alone. In the basement, we did see several holes in the wall, but nothing else. We wrapped up the interview and told the guy we wanted him to keep a journal for the next two weeks. We asked him to write down when anything unusual happened, at what time, what the weather was, and who witnessed it. Once he completed that, we would proceed to the next step. BTW, he never contacted us with this information. This was usually a good way to weed out, let's call them, not serious clients. Don't get me wrong. If we had seen evidence of a dangerous situation or real fear, we would have fast-tracked the investigation. Finally, as we were leaving, he turned to his teenage daughter and said, we're about to be famous. Let's all take a moment to wave our red flags again. That was the scariest experience I've ever had as a paranormal investigator. In my experience, people are much scarier than ghosts. As always, I want to thank you for all you do in creating a community that is inclusive and supportive. I love you girls and all the creepsters. For those wondering, I sent this on September twenty second, 2022. Be safe, be well, creep it real, and don't get scared. Much love, Creep Mom, a.k.a. Teresa B. She's a real MVP, always letting us know where we are. <laughs> Oh, my God. I would have been terrified walking down that basement. Yes. Well,
0: one, just walking down the stairs. Two, going to a basement. Three, with that person behind you. And yeah, we agree because people are always scarier than ghosts.
1: Meanwhile, him popping his head out. Who the fuck stole my iPod? Also, uh, you know what year it wasn't, the story. <laughs> he really thought he was about to be famous off of you. Mm-hmm. He could be famous, though, because I
0: would watch a live feed of him. Okay, the next one. Sister Sighting. Hey, beautiful ladies. I know this is said a lot, but I absolutely love you girls. I listen to you at work and while I'm doing tedious things around the house. I actually love my job, but I can say that you make the housework a lot better. Here's my story. This is anything but sinister. It's actually something I needed emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. I'm the youngest of three girls, and our family has always been close. My oldest sister is 12 years older than me, so while my parents worked, she was my motherly figure. She was my biggest supporter and my best friend. She battled many health problems throughout her life. She passed January 9, 2022, just 10 days after her 45th birthday. For the longest time, I could pretty much convince myself that she was just at my parents' house where she lived, and I just hadn't talked to her. Here, almost nine months later, it's getting harder for me. The night before last, my mom and I were texting and talking about Michelle and the TV shows we all watched since they were coming on for their fall season. I told my mom that recently every little thing has been making me think of my sister. I have prayed for a sign from her to help me through, and it finally happened. Yesterday morning, I awoke to what sounded like Michelle calling my name. I looked around for a minute and went back to sleep. I generally don't remember my dreams, but this one, I don't think I could ever forget. I had a dream that Michelle came to me in my dream. I know that sounds confusing, but I had a dream about a dream. Simply put, she had told me that she loved me a couple of times. I was telling my other sister about it later that day, and she said she woke up with Michelle on her mind too. I believe wholeheartedly that she came to me in my dreams to let me know she's still with me. I also believe she took the time to visit my other sister. She knows we still need her with us. It gives me so much joy to know that she's okay and not suffering anymore. But boy, do we all miss her so. Well, I guess it's time to say goodbye for now. I can't wait for your next episode to come on, and I plan on joining Patreon to catch up on everything else as soon as there's a break in my finances to do so. I love you, ladies. Creep it real and don't get scared. Lisa. I feel that about the finances. Hell, I feel that about the sister and the finances. Ha ha. One up to you, Carrie. You can have that one up. I don't (laughs) want
1: that shit. Yeah, no. No. But I definitely get the dream within the dream. That happens to me a lot.
0: And I believe she was coming to you too because you needed that sign and she knew it. How Carrie said, like in Ghost, you know, they have to work up to be able to like make things happen. So maybe she just had to like work up to be able to do that. Me and Carrie as ghosts, we would be so fucking competitive to each other. I just imagine that there was, like, this school that you had to go to to be, like, level one, you learn how to do this. Level two, you learn how to go back in dreams or, you know, whatever. Me and Carrie would be, like, I'm going to beat you. I'm going to go back to a dream first.
1: <laughs> that is also a very true statement. You've, yeah. been, <laughs> you've been spitting facts today, man. Man. God, I mean, this fucking man. When did I start saying that? <laughs>
0: Well, we could probably go back and tell with all the podcasts.
1: Yeah, like literally everybody's like episode 24. (laughs) And you haven't stopped since. Okay, the next one. My mom's haunted house. Hey, Carrie and Donna. I've been listening for a long time and I decided it's time to send in my stories. It's September 25th, 2022. If anyone needs a timeline for Sinister Sightings. I love listening to you guys. I love scary stories, but I also love you guys' friendship and personalities. When you guys start laughing, I have no choice but to join. You guys are a joy, for real. This will be specifically about my mother's haunted trailer I grew up in, but I'll have to send in some more creepy stories about my hometown. You can call me Rain. I grew up in southeast Kansas, right on the line between Kansas and Oklahoma. This is a long one. I ain't sorry. My mom's house was a super old double-wide, like from the 60s. She's still in it, patching it up every time it falls apart. There's so much creepiness in that trailer, it's hard to know where to begin. My oldest sister was the first to voice concerns over different things she had experienced. All of the things she saw were in a big mirror in her room, which I don't know about you guys, but seeing something behind you in a mirror is arguably more scary than seeing something standing in front of you. The first thing she saw, she recounted, looked like a goblin-type being. She said it was just sitting on her dresser behind her. When she turned around, it was gone. Gross. The second thing she saw, which my other sister and myself have experienced now, too, was a little girl in a really old dress. Like, she looked like she was from an older time period, but she had large, slanted eyes like an alien. Nope, nope, nope. My oldest sister said she saw the little girl in the mirror as well, and when she turned around, she was gone. I don't know how she didn't scream or something when she saw that shit. My middle sister and I thought it was creepy, but also didn't really want to believe her. As I got older, though, and dumber, I began to meddle with things I shouldn't. (coughs) Ouija boards. (laughs) But I really can't remember if I played with the Ouija before, before I started having paranormal experiences. It seems like it all started after I turned 13. I used to stay up late in the summer on our clunky desktop computer in the living room downloading music. FrostWire sucked so bad.
0: I had lime wire.
1: Me too. Sitting in the pitch black by myself. My mom's living room and kitchen were almost one big space except for this wall that separated them. There was a little window where you could see into the living room from the kitchen sink, so it was all open, but not really. Our computer desk was set up on the other side of the kitchen wall in the living room. Not sure if this super matters, but visuals are nice. Anyway, I always had earbuds in as I cultivated my Windows Media playlist and meticulously maintained an edgy-ass MySpace. This would have been around 2004-2005. I would probably stay up until 3-4 to a.m. I can't fathom this now. God, I'm getting old. There was one night I was up and didn't have my earbuds. They must have broken or something. But this is the night I realized around 2 a.m. You can hear footsteps walking through my mom's kitchen. Creaking like they continue onto the carpet heading towards the front door. Then the door jiggle as if testing the lock. It sounds like Boots, maybe even with spurs on the faux-tile kitchen floor. I remember being freaked out, turning off the computer, and going to bed rightfully so. When I told one of my friends, she wanted to stay with me so we could try to hear it again. Sure enough, at 2 a.m., we hear Boots walking through the kitchen, past the washer and dryer, the house creak like it does when someone walks past the hallway, and then the front door jiggle. And you hear the steps retreat back to the kitchen. Not fast, not ominously slow, just a normal pace. We were both freaked out, but also felt it was maybe a protective spirit too, just checking we locked the door. I still sat on the computer at night after that, just made sure I had my earbuds. One night, I felt something that seemed dark. I never got an ominous feeling from our kitchen cowboy, but this had my hair standing up. It was a little after 3 a.m., and as much as I tried to brush it off, I just felt like something was behind me. Taking my earbud out, I turned to scan the room. Picture a dark-ass space, just the bright light from the monitor casting a glow. I just saw the couch and the lamp, nothing else. So I turned back to the screen. Against my better judgment, but I left my earbuds out. You guys, I felt something poke me right on the back of my neck where my shoulders and my neck meet. I don't know if I even closed out the windows. I was out of there so fast. I just remember punching that power button and running down the hallway to my bedroom. I didn't stay up on the computer at night after that. I just stayed up in my room. Another strange thing in my house, my mom and my oldest sister both mentioned feeling something weird in the hallway, which I felt too, but hadn't talked to them about it when I heard them discussing it one day. But when you walk down my mom's hallway, sometimes it feels like there's something walking like right behind you, matching you step for step. When I heard my mom and sister talking about this, I asked if they could describe what the feeling was like, and my sister told me to walk down the hallway. When I did, she began to walk behind me, matching me step for step. I got the biggest chills knowing that they experienced the exact same feelings. Ugh, shivers. One more mini experience and then another incident. At my school, we had a mandatory health class which consisted of taking home a fake baby. The baby cried and had keys that you had to enter into the back panel in order to make it stop crying. The boys didn't have to take home a baby, just in case you wanted to feel pissed off for a second. Anyway, if you didn't do this in time, there would be a neglect light that would come on and the control panel on the back of the fake baby where you entered the keys well i was lucky enough to get to take home baby c the quote crack baby if you will which meant that i took home the baby that was programmed to cry every two hours for real the best birth control i remember sleeping on my futon that night being readily available to shove keys in this fake baby so i would get a good grade Well, I fell asleep and I remember dreaming that there was a little girl sitting in the middle of my room. She had a really old dress on and she had large slanted black eyes. She had the baby on her lap and was jamming keys into it until it would stop crying. She was just staring at me while she was shoving these keys in the baby. I didn't wake up until about an hour before my alarm the next morning and instantly panicked because according to the time, I slept for six hours straight and I knew that baby cried in much more frequent intervals than that. I jumped up and checked the back panel so sure I would see the neglect light on. Much to my relief, it wasn't on, which meant that either A, the baby hadn't cried, or B, someone had taken care of it. My stomach dropped when I remembered my dream, and I also noticed that the baby carrier had been moved to the foot of my futon near my closet. When I fell asleep, the baby and the carrier were near my head so that I could easily wake up, console it, and go back to sleep. Freaking crazy, you guys. Okay, here's where I got real dumb. One day, my mom, I still don't know why she did this, pulled a box out of our cloak closet in the living room and handed it to me. It was a Ouija board. I remember being shocked we had one. I had a friend coming over that day and she was just so light about it. Like, if you want to play around on this, we've got one. This friend lived down the dirt road and didn't usually come into our house. We usually played outside or walked into town together and hung out at her house. I truly only remember her staying at my house a few times, especially after the things she saw. When she stayed, she revealed to me that she was sensitive to the paranormal and could see things. She said that there were a few different things living in my mom's house, outside of the living. She said that there was an old farmer that hung out in her kitchen. She said he was just there. Not scary, not dangerous, just there. She said that the further you got into our house, the darker it got. I told her about my sister's, my mom's experience with a little girl, and she said something that made my hair stand up. She said, she isn't a little girl. That's just how it presents itself to you guys. Yikes, yikes, yikes. When I asked her about the hallway, she was quiet for a moment and just said that the entity in our hallway wasn't human and never was, and that it was hands down the most terrifying thing residing in my mom's house. Her and I did use the Ouija board together and the planchette did move, but nothing scary was conveyed to us. And if I'm being honest, I felt she was moving the planchette. When she left, I wasn't really sure if I believed everything I heard, so I asked my mom if anyone had lived on the land in the trailer before us. I really didn't think anyone had, but she said, Yeah, there was a pig farmer who lived here before. Why? I didn't tell her what my friend said. I wasn't ready to process all of that yet. What I did do the next day, though, when I was home alone, was get that Ouija board out. Dumb, 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 I know. I was in my room and had a blanket over the window so it was pitch black except for two big white candles I had lit on either side of the board. I'm not sure why I did this, but that's what I felt compelled to do. The fan was off, there was no airflow, except that the flames were steady and super still. I placed my hands on the planchette and began asking questions, probably sounding like a Pete Floyd song. Hello? Is anybody out there? Shout if you can hear me, or however the song goes. At first, nothing was happening, but I remember asking if anything was in the room with me and the candle to my right started to dance. Like the flame was bothered, but there was no wind and it wasn't from my breath. I focused on it for a bit and it went still again. So I asked, is there someone to my right? After a still pause, the flame began to flicker again and then it went out. Y'all, I stood up so fast and turned my light on. I didn't even close the board out so, so bad. I know now and just put everything up. I remember experiencing so much weird stuff after that. There was a period that I've blocked out in my brain because I saw so much creepy shit for the remaining years I lived in that house. Straight down to when I moved out at 21. I moved out two months earlier than I planned because I actually stopped sleeping from feeling like something was watching me. Anyway, I'm going to wrap this up here. I'll be writing back with a ghost story from the one time that my mom found an urn and brought it home like a stray dog and also things I saw on my back roads in my hometown. Creepy shit, but way too much to type when this is already long enough. Love you guys. Creep it real and don't get too scared to close out your damn Ouija boards. Bye, Rain. Rain, you've seen some shit. Oh my gosh. Your friend
0: definitely has. Also, my brain went to boots with the spurs. Mm-hmm.
1: I was making a whole cowboy bebop thing up in my head. That doesn't surprise me at all. <laughs> also, and I read, these boots are made for walking. Oh, Lord. You know who sang that originally, I think? Maybe not, but I'm going to say it anyway. Uh, Frank Sinatra's daughter. Oh, Nancy Sinatra? Mm-hmm, her. Yeah, I can't wait to hear the rest of those stories. Yes.
0: When you said pig farmer, though, I was like, oh! <gasps> Is it the serial killer who was a pig farmer? Oh my God, could you imagine? Oh my gosh. Okay, the last one. Hey y'all. Yes, I'm from California and use the word y'all. I grew up in a redneck family. I'm from the Bay Area, about 20 minutes outside of San Francisco in a smallish town. small for the Bay Area. My story takes place in my senior year of high school, so about six years ago. It was the night of the senior ball, and all of my friends had left the dance many hours before. We went bowling in our prom dresses, made a costume change, and had all ended up at the local diner to have a second dinner slash pre-breakfast at about 2 a.m. We were in a pretty big group of about 20 people, and the rest of the restaurant was still relatively busy. After about an hour and a half of sitting there and eating and chatting, I noticed this guy in a bomber leather jacket pacing the restaurant. It was a seat-yourself informal place, so there were people standing around talking, and he probably didn't look too out of place, but I could tell this guy was agitated. Finally, after pacing by our table a few times, he stopped and said to our group, "'Hey, we're going to be closing up pretty soon, so you guys need to head out.' Then he resumed his pacing. Didn't stop at any other table, but only at our table, which was primarily made up of girls. He wasn't wearing a security uniform, and we all know this place didn't have security.' We all kind of looked at each other and laughed it off and kept on talking. About 15 minutes later, he stops at our table again and says, Hey, you guys need to leave and walked over and stood by the door again, only addressing our table. Luckily, I had carpooled with my friend Hannah, so we decided to leave since the place was closing soon anyways. Our group started to get up and Hannah and I were the first two out the door with the others lingering behind in the restaurant. I had my eye on the creepy guy and he freaking followed us out of the restaurant. Hannah and I made a beeline to my car, got in and locked the doors. This dude that was acting like the security guard fucking left the restaurant, gets into his car parked directly behind me. I pointed it out to Hannah and she had noticed too. I turned on the car and he did the same in his. I said, fuck that. I'm sitting here till he leaves. He didn't leave. We sat there for a full five minutes and finally I said, fuck it. I'm not sitting here any longer. But if he follows me, I'm going straight to the police station. So I pull out of the parking lot and start driving. And what does the fucker do? He follows right behind me. So I turned my happy ass down the main drag and started heading towards the police station. When I got closer to the station, that little weasel fucking turned and sped off towards the freeway. Thank God. I turned around and took Hannah back to her house without her tail and made it home safely. I texted everyone else in the group and they had no trouble getting home. I swear that fucker picked on the only table with mostly girls and then was praying that one of us would go to our cars alone. You thought wrong, bitch. This story gets me so mad, I swear. Anyways, we're fine and I cheated death many a time since. I'm graduating from nursing school in December 2022 and it's currently the last... it's currently the last day of september 2022 for those keeping track thanks for the pod ladies creep it real also carrie i'm right there with you in the student loans kendra
1: they're never gonna end Okay, y'all are cracking me up putting the dates in here. There's been so many. <laughs> I know, I love that. Meanwhile, we'll go six months without anybody putting it in. But yeah. right now, every single one of them has it. <laughs> but that is so
0: smart of you to do, to go to the police station. Because he's not going to follow you there. And you didn't say where this place was, but I was picturing Waffle House.
1: That's so funny. I was picturing Cinderella Story with Hillary Duff.
0: Oh, okay, like a diner diner. Yes, also, congratulations because you finished nursing school. <laughs> You've been nursing for a while now. When did they say they finished? December twenty twenty two.
1: That was four months ago. She may not even take it to the NCLEX yet. Well, I don't know about all that shit. She graduated.
0: <laughs> Just let me congratulate
1: her. Yes, congratulate her. She graduated, but like you were like for a while, ma'am. It's been four months.
0: Well, that's a while. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, thank y'all for sending all of these stories in. We freaking love them. Donna's over here nodding her head with me. <laughs> And like we always say, if you want your story read on an episode, send it in to us at aparanormalchicks at gmail.com. And remember, creep it real and and don't get scared. (laughs)